I, I was told I need to wait a minute for people to join. Um, hi, Nicole. Am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to call out people? Hi, hi, Sari. Um, thank you all for joining. We are on our fourth class, but third prophetess. So, oh, everybody's joining. Okay, awesome. I'll give it another minute. Um, hi. Yes, you can all wave. I'm new to this, talking to my Instagram followers. Okay, so we're going to get started on Devorah, and we're going to do a little recap as where we left off last week, because just like every you know series needs to do that. So we ended off last week with the story of Miriam, and where we should have ended off was when Miriam crossed the Red Sea with the Jewish people, um, alongside Moshe and Aaron, her brother, and the woman, they broke out in song. Moshe also sang a song, and tonight we're actually going to learn about the song of Devorah, and there's another song that's coming out tonight from Thank You Hashem with Barry Weber, so just get ready for that. So we're going to discuss a few songs tonight. So tonight we're going to learn about Devorah, but we're going to put things in perspective to understand where she came from and what the timeline was in history. So it goes like this. So Devorah was one of the prophetesses, but she was also a judge for the Jewish people, and when we left off the story of the Jewish people with Miriam, the Jewish, the Jewish people then entered the land of Israel, but not with Moshe. They actually entered the land of Israel with the guidance of Yehoshua. And then we entered the period of Nevi'im. So up until now, we were in the era of Torah, which was the five books of Moshe. Then we go into the story of Yehoshua, where he goes into the land of Israel and he conquers the whole land of Israel. And then we have the book of Judges. Now, when you read the book of Judges, if you read Shoftim, if you read it in one night, if you read it in a weekend, you would seriously think, is there something wrong with the Jewish people? Are they spiritually depleted? Are they spiritually delayed? Like, how do they not see what's happening? So let's try to understand what happened during the time of Shoftim, and let's try to understand where Devorah fit in. So it goes like this. It's clockwork, okay? So we have 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, back to 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, everything is going great for the Jewish people. They have money, they have land, they have the best jobs, they have money, they have children, they have wives and husbands. And then what ends up happening is the Jewish people fell into a cycle of thinking, everything good is going for me, what do I need to be connected to Hashem? And people fell into this trap of idol worship. Then came three o'clock and Hashem says, you forgot about me, I am going to send you an enemy. And then six o'clock comes and the Jewish people are like, oh my goodness, what do we do? There's an enemy. He's afflicting us. He's hurting us. Comes nine o'clock and Hashem sends them a judge or a shofate to help turn them back to Hashem. And then 12 o'clock, everything's good. So now if this cycle would happen once or twice, that would be great. But this kept on happening. So when you read it overnight, you're like, what's happened with the Jewish people? But if we really truly understand that there was enough time that lapsed between enemy and enemy, we can a little bit understand the Jewish people, right? If something happened to my grandparents, why would it happen to me? Although sadly, this is true with Judaism and anti-Semitism, that they're always going to be somebody. But the Jewish people, had they not realized that this kept happening? So what we learn is that there was a nice amount of time between each enemy that it came. And if people chose to not see the signs, then they chose not to see the signs. And then enemies came. So now what happens is we have 
Asniel Ben Kanaz, who was the first of the Shoftim, and he fought against Aram. Then we have Ayod Ben Gira, he came and he fought against Moab. Then it continues, and we have Shamgar Ben Anas, who actually continued to fight against the Plishtim. And now comes Devorah. So the stage is set for Devorah. So let's try to understand, because we never really had a woman in office before, right? Think like Hillary when she was running for president. No, no, no. Devorah was president back in the day. So a little bit of feminism here in the Torah. So why was Devorah appointed? How did she become appointed? And how did she rule over the Jewish people and bring them back to their place in serving Hashem. So it goes like this. We always discuss this when we want to understand somebody. We have to understand a little bit about their name. So when we are introduced to Devorah, we're introduced to her as Devorah Eshet Lapidot. She was the wife of somebody named Lapidot. Not Lapidot, like um, the Ifsimcha singer, but actually she was the wife, I'm pretty sure that's his name. He's the wife of Lapidot, who actually fashioned wicks or torches, lapid is a torch, and would bring them to the, well, then we didn't have the base on Dash to bring it to the Mishkan. So what we learn from Lapidot was that Lapidot was an Amha Aretz. He was somebody who was very much connected to the earth. He believed in physicality and he, he involved himself in the physical things of the world, but he wasn't necessarily a Torah scholar. So, Devorah, I'm not sure how that shidduch came about, right? We have an Amma Aretz and we have a Nevia. But what happens is she gets married to him and she recognizes this in him. So what she does is she fashion wicks, she puts them in a little Ziploc baggie and she sends her husband to go bring it to the Mishkan on his way to work. And when he's there, he gets to the Mishkan. He says, oh, what's this? Oh, that's a menorah? Oh, that's amazing. You like that every day? Yeah, every day. Oh, what's over there? Oh, that's a Mizveah? Oh, you bring Carbonos up there? Oh, that's great. Oh, wow, tell me more about this. And every day on his way to work, he was dropping off these wicks, these lapidot, and eventually he became a Torah scholar. So now, for those of you listening, just a little marriage advice here. If you want to get your husband to do something, you have him do it, but have him think that he did it on his own. Devorah was sending her husband to the Mishkan. She was teaching him the ways of how to be connected to Hashem. And what she was doing, the way that she was doing it, she wasn't being manipulative. She was being very, very smart. She was having her husband think that he was doing it on his own. Lapidot is also referred to as Barak, which is actually lightning. So he went from like a torch to something, a lightning bolt, and he was very much connected to Hashem. And what Devorah did on a small scale for her husband, she did on a much larger scale for the Jewish people. So the Jewish people are right now in the middle of an enemy. There is the King Yaniv and his head of the, his army, Sisra, his head general, and they are afflicting the Jewish people for 20 years. And it's really, really bad. What happens is Devorah rises as a prophetess for the Jewish people, and she actually judges the people under a palm tree. And the reason that she does that, and not in some Freudian-style office with some cool lounge chair, the reason that she did that was out of modesty, because she didn't, you know, she's a woman, and she was a married Jewish woman, and for her to have people coming into her tent in and out, it would seem, it would seem immodest. So she sat outside specifically for that reason to show everybody that nothing happened. So she was there, she was judging for the Jewish people, she was arbitrating, she was helping them get through some difficult things, and she was also using her power to bring the people to do teshuva. She was slowly turning their heart to do that. And eventually, she has this prophecy, which she tells her husband Barak, that it's time to go and fight the war. Now is the time. So she tells her husband Barak, she says, listen up, 
gather up 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and from Zvulon, and I want you to go and to fight against the army of Sisra, the head general, and you are going to defeat them and you're going to win. So now Barak says, you know what? I mean, if you're in, not that he was a scared cat, not that he was a chicken, but only because he knew that they were going to win the war because of Devorah's merit. So he said, if you're in, then I'm in. Maybe, you know, Devorah, you don't have to come out with your sword and your battle and you don't have to fight physically, but what you need, we need you there in the command center because we know that we are going to win because of your merit. And they go out and they win the war and it's an incredible, incredible victory. It's a little bit similar to the victory of the Jewish people over Mitzrayim, over Egypt. And we're going to learn a little bit about that, that there were some correlations between those two wars. So it says that the, the army of Sisera and his chariots, his 900 chariots were delivered to the Jewish people. They were in, they were destroyed by the water and they then won the war and then they were able to go get, you know, all the spoils of war and everything like that. Um, and back, back, back during the time of Miriam, when the Jewish people were saved in the Yamsuf, the Jewish people arrived on the other side of the Yamsuf and they said, one second, we just got out of this water we went into the water and we got out. How do we know if the Egyptians didn't also come out on another side? How do we know that they're alive? So the Medrash says that Hashem actually told the Yamsuf, spit out those 600 chariots and show prove to the Jewish people that they are now dead. And the Yamsuf answers back, one second, if you give a servant a gift, how could you just take it away? And Hashem says, you know, you're right but I promise you one and a half times worth. And now, hundreds of years later, thousands, hundreds of years later, we have the, the, the Naha, the water over here, got 900 chariots. It went from 600, I'm not so good at math, but it would be 1.5, would be 900 chariots actually came out. And now we see how it was likened a little bit to that time period. Also, after they won the war, after they won the, over the Egyptians, it says that Moshe went out and broke out in song. And here we see, after this battle was won, Devorah sings a song. She sings Shiras Devorah. And it's a very, very interesting song, and it's something that actually lasts for a lifetime. It's the second Shira that's recorded after Az Yashir, after Moshe's song. So it's pretty high level over there. And some of the things that she discusses is very interesting. Like, you would think, like, she's a woman, right? She's commander-in-chief, right? She went out to fight the war. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's got a lot of other tasks. She's a judge, right? She's basically, like, the biggest CEO, Right, so she could get up there and she could rave about all the things that she did and you know, all the charities that she's raised money for, fundraisers that she's conducted or fashion shows that she's attended. But what does Devorah do? She actually starts to reference the time that the Jewish people were at Har Sinai. And why does she do that? She is so humble that she recognizes that everything that she's been through and actually her situation in life was there to help the Jewish people rise above their spiritual weaknesses and eventually win the enemy and conquer their Yitzhahara and then win the war and then become better people. She could have said, oh, it was me, it was my fundraiser, it was the party that I hosted, it was my husband, with my husband's help. But all she does in her song is reference Hashem, constantly thanking Hashem, to the point where she says, Anochi la Hashem, 
Anochi Ashira. Now, Anochi is a very interesting terminology. She should say Ani. Why is she saying Anochi? The only other time we know Anochi is by Har Sinai. Anochi why is she saying Anochi here? Because she's saying that just like at Har Sinai, when Hashem revealed himself and he said Anochi, so too now Hashem is revealing himself. Even though it looks like maybe I helped you win the war, or my husband Barak is very strong, and he was able to get all those chariots you know, into the water, and he was able to destroy them, and we were able to conquer. Ultimately, it's always Hashem. No matter what it seems like, it's always Hashem. And she says Anochi twice, which is interesting. So now if you remember way back, way back, when the Jewish people received the Torah, and there's a very famous song, I'm not going to sing it over here, that all the other mountains, right, there's a message that all the other mountains, they were saying, we want the Torah given on us, we want the Torah given on us, right? I'm the biggest mountain, I'm so strong. And those two mountains were Har Tavor and Har Karna. Now, they seemed a little bit egotistical, right? And Hashem said, no, I'm going to choose Har Sinai because Har Sinai is the humblest of all. And that's why I got the Torah. Now, Devorah obviously here is very humble and she's totally depleted of any ego. She actually says Anochi twice. Why? Because the mountain that she was prophesizing on and she was singing her song where they won the war was Har Tavor. Even though Har Tavor and Har Carmel, they were being a little bit, you know, egotistical, they were still being egotistical for the right reasons because they wanted the Torah. They wanted it. Yes, they had an ego and they weren't as humble as Harsinai, but they still wanted that Torah. So Hashem said, later on, you're going to get, you're going to get something. Don't worry, you'll be rewarded for that. And those two Anochis were one for Harsinai and one now on Har Tavor. And eventually later on Har Carmel, Elioah Navi stands up there and there's also two Anochis. So when Devorah gets up there to sing her song, she's not just saying, you know, I'm so happy, right? She's not doing that. She's actually telling the Jewish people that now, even though, yes, we won the war and it's amazing, we're gonna get back to our life, always, who's behind this? Hashem. And we constantly need to thank Hashem. And, we'll end with this, she refers to herself as Ein Yisrael. She rose up as a mother to all the Jewish people. Now, as of all her roles, which were very exciting, she, you know, she's a woman who had it all. She was a commander-in-chief. She was a judge. She was a leader to the Jewish people. She was a wife. She was a mom. She refers to herself, her most important role was her mother to the Jewish people. Now, what do we know about mothers? And why was Devorah the mother of all the Jewish people? So mothers are obviously very caring, very empathetic. Okay, I won't end it, Miriam. <laughs> mothers are very empathetic. And she actually cared for the Jewish people in a way where she moved them to do the right thing. Mothers can also love a child yet criticize them. You know, I always keep, I always say this as a mom, like, you know, I love you, but you know, you're late. You know, you missed your bedtime. You got to go to sleep. Where's the car? Did you put this away? Close the fridge, right? You can criticize, but you're doing it for the right reasons. So the reason that she was a mother to the Jewish people was because she cared about them, but she was also able to criticize them when she needed to. And lastly, she literally gave birth to them. She gave birth to the Jewish nation because she brought them to a spiritual level that they haven't been on for so long. So she was able to be a mother, be caring, and be there for them and help them arbitrate during their time of judgment. She was also able to criticize them when she needed to, and she was also able to spiritually give birth 
to the Jewish people and bring them to that level where they can reconnect to Hashem. And she ends off her shira by saying, this is a song that's going to be forever. This is a song that you're constantly going to need to revisit. It wasn't just a song with good harmony or Gebesh Meifel, which is coming out now, which I'm very excited about. It wasn't just about that. She wanted to bring the Jewish people back to victory, not just on winning the war, but to bring them back so they can stay close and connected to Hashem. So the aspect of the song is that she wasn't just blinded by the victory, like, yay, we won the war, but this is something that they will remember, like a Sinai moment. Like, just like we remember her Sinai all the time, she wanted them to remember winning this war all the time. And that's why she said, Anochi, Anochi. I was called to save the Jewish people. Hashem trusted me, and I'm able to bring them back. So she's saying that, Yes, the enemies of the Jewish nation have to be destroyed, but the Jewish people are able to rise above their negativity, rise above their spiritual depletion, and then eventually she brings us to great, great heights. And then until we fall again to another hands of another Shofet, but Devorah was definitely one of a kind. She was the only woman to judge, and we continue to learn about her legacy. So I wanted to thank you all for joining. Um, I'm super excited about the series and I'm so happy to continue because next week we're going to be doing the story of Hana and a little bit about prayer. And for those of you asking, they're Melissa Loving. Have a great night.